Carl here from Games, Brains and Headbanging Live, GBHBL.com for sure. And I'm here with guitarist Jarrett Pritchard and drummer Clayton Gore from Death and Doom Band, Pulcara Morte. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, Pulcra Morte. Close enough. Pulcra Morte. Right, gents, Pulcra, it is yes. a pleasure to be speaking with you. Um, starting with you first, Jarrett, how's your day been so far? <laughs> it's pretty good. We are... Uh... In the studio here, I've got some friends that are from a really well-known metal band killing some vocals in the other room, and my business partner's handling that while I'm doing interviews. Awesome. Um, our air conditioning unit for the studio tried to freeze up, and Jeremy fixed it with a can of WD-40 and a good solid kick. <laughs> so the day's not going too bad, to be honest. And yourself, Clayton? Yeah, you know, my <clears throat> my day has been kind of pretty much the same and and sort of a blur the last, you know, what, six or eight months now. Mm. So <clears throat> no, nothing too unusual, but happy to be speaking with you. Well, you brought it up already. The elephant in the room can't start any interview without talking about the uh, the COVID times. How have you both been holding up this year? Well... It's it's strange because I'm not touring and my mm. life and schedule have slowed down a lot. But um, overall, I mean, it's it. I kind of do the same thing I do most times. I work in the studio. I practice my guitar and I print shirts in my garage. And uh, other than just you know the the weird uncertainty of what's coming next or when we're going to be able to get back to work it's um it's not been super different i mean it mm. comes with some anxiety but for the most part we're doing all right good yeah i mean I, i've been virtually spent the entirety of this laid off so my job has been looking for a job so <laughs> other than you know playing drums and writing songs uh, that's the bulk of my day the job search going well no no oh. it's not <laughs> <laughs> i still we'll see right now it's been uh a year since i got laid off from my last job and things were going you know it was looking great i was about to had a few offers on the table and then covid hit and everybody froze their you know external wrecks and you know it's just been sort of chaos since then so it's it's pretty fucked up from uh, you know income perspective, but making mm. it work. Yeah, I mean, so I been... was on tour. I was on tour with Abbott sitting in Denver, about to start the Decibel tour, and we you know we're all raring to go. And it's like you know a telephone call comes in and it, it's done. Everybody's going home, and like work just goes and just stops. So it, it's a trip, man. I, I mean, I I won't lie to you, it's a trip, but I. I don't really freak out about stuff like that. I mean, I just figure it's going to go how it's going to go as long as I'm doing what I need to do. I mean, that's the best I got. I can't really give any more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It guess the frustration comes just from not really knowing when, when things can kind of get back to some semblance of normality. True. Very true. So, gents, November 6, 2020, your second album, X Rosa Ceremonia it's released where's your head at with it right now and looking back over the year and the planning and the working on it are you happy with what you've accomplished here yeah i mean this is uh it's been sort of a long journey um 
I mean, I recorded drums for this thing last September. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we've been writing this for a good two years and, and, you know, kind of putting everything together, all the pieces. And, you know, Jarrett, even during mixing, was adding some, you know, little tweaks here and there, some sort of, you know, icing on the cake um, with some of the cello and, and female backing vocal arrangements. And, you know, it's so kind of having the you know, quote unquote, extra time with everybody sort of in lockdown and being able to contribute, uh, including, you know, backing vocals from people literally all over the world mm. has been sort of fun to kind of piece together. I'm just, um, I'm just in that, I'm in that space where you come out of it. It's sort of like coming up for air. You know, we, you start, you know, we all the way back to the demo phase and, you know, we get these demos and we start going back and forth between the three kind of core writing part of the band, which is Jeff, who's, um, whose contribution can't be understated. A lot mm. of the riffing stuff is based on Jeff Breeden, who is, um, you know, is a really, really just a fantastic guy to work with and everything else. And then normally what happens is, that we take and we go through a process where we sort of bounce back and forth, Clay and I, with arrangement and, and you know, maybe some harmony changes, some uh, speed changes, like tempos and things like that. And a lot of this was ultimately finalized. Funny enough, I was in England mm. on tour with Kiefer Sutherland doing monitors for him. And I was basically arranging and recording solos and stuff for the demo stage of it in hotel rooms across the UK, then, you know, we go in, we do the drums, we're doing this, that, and the other. It's, it's like a really long process of, of, you know, especially in between touring, which is the way we were doing this, where we were, you know, geographically separated. So we would book sessions together. The guys would come here after we were done and then, you know, we would do whatever. And so now anyway, not to be long winded at the end of it, when you've done all this work and your head's really in it, you know, you're, playing 70 takes of a solo because you're OCD and it has to be just how you want it to be. When you get done with it and you look over the thing, it's like, okay, wow, here we have an album. Here's the cover. Here's the gatefold. Here are all the songs. I can listen to the songs. It's like a big breath of air. Like you finally, like you see your accomplishment. And so your head is, there's a sense of relief, but then there's a sense of pride when you listen to what you've created and you actually really personally like it. And it's not, a, it's not an arrogance. It's just like, wow, we did that. You know, me and my friends did that. That's like how I feel about this stuff. Me and my friends created this and it's fantastic. It's something I want to listen to and I'm extremely happy about it. That's, that's where I'm at. I love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, now it's just a matter of, matter of sending it out into the big wide world and seeing how uh, everyone else feels about it. Exactly. Do you feel as though this album is deep progression, a clear advancement of what you did on the first record? You know, we've talked about that quite a bit, and it's interesting, especially when we first started recording this. We're like, you know, this these this group of songs is it feels different, you know, from the first album, and it, it wasn't that we set out to to do that by intention. We just write, you know, what what is coming to mind and what comes naturally. And, and in that sense, it feels like a natural progression to us. But, you know, I think 
with the first album, you know, we, we really wanted to kind of come out and make a statement um, with, you know, what we were trying to do and kind of where our heads were. And I feel like we did that very aggressively and sort of, you know, on the nose. And, and I think this really just kind of elaborates on that and brings people into kind of what we're about a, a little deeper. Mm. Yeah, we, I would, I would agree with that too. And it, it does feel like a progression because like, you know, I've said a couple of times that the, you know, when I got involved on the first record, it was, you know, essentially it was written for the most part. I mean, I, I contributed a lot as a producer, but the, the foundation of it was done mm. in this record. It was a lot more of a result of the three of us going back and forth with ideas and stuff. And so what you're hearing now really is a collaborative effort between Jeff and clay and myself musically speaking of course adam because you know he, he sang it and wrote the vocals but um it, it is absolutely a progression and, and it's also i feel i feel like you can hear individually on this record who's playing on it like okay. I, I know i can't as a unit then and the group of writers the th three of you and so on does inspiration come easy to you this constant back and forth and flow of ideas uh, i mean i i think it, i think the parts that i contribute come without warning mm -hmm. i mean at the same time i mean i can you know be at a the you know hotel and you know where i was where i there's a song that's on the album that i did a lot of work on in this one hotel that i'm remembering right now and it it's just kind of like it's time to work and you start playing and, and there's only two ways it's going to go i mean you're either going to have something or you're not and um, so I kind of, for me, I think inspiration is, it's something that I feel like I'm lucky that I can sit down and put myself in a situation and my mind will start to do what it's supposed to do. I wouldn't say that it's forced, but I feel lucky that I'm able to conjure it. Mm. Yeah. You know, our writing process really starts with Jeff and he will, you know, we've encouraged him to just. Anytime you get an idea or anything remotely resembling a song, just throw it down, record it. You know, let's not lose it and let's just kind of see what comes out. Mm. And I'd say probably 90% of the time, he'll he'll just send over complete songs and say, here, look at this. You know, what do you think of this? <laughs> and when I hear it from, from Jeff, like I, I can see where it's going. I, I hear in my head the final version of what the song is going to be, or at least what I think it's going to be. And I'll start demoing drums and maybe rearranging some parts. Let's do this here and that over there. Let's extend this part, maybe slow this part down, you know, just kind of build on this, on this foundation that Jeff has given us. Mm. And then, you know, I'll send that demo over to Jarrett and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And then Jarrett hears it, uh, you know, and then he adds his flavor to it. Maybe he hears some, you know, completely different kind of things and does some rearranging and then we'll get it back and go, yeah, wow. Okay. That's what that's supposed to sound like, you know? And so just the whole process of that collaboration is very inspiring for sure. Yeah. Even listening to you talk about it, it sounds it. And what about the concept then? Um, I've been reading up on it today and the part that kind of jumped out on me, seeking to encourage a mental and spiritual renaissance. Can you kind of elaborate on what that actually means to you? Well, I, I will. I will definitely do that. I, I feel like there, in, in the past, there have been points in history, at least things I've read about. I, I wasn't obviously there where it seems mm. like even in secret behind, you know, closed doors, um, 
human understanding of our universe or what's possible or side the other has taken a leap. I feel like we're at this really strange point now where we've introduced some technological things into our society that are, um, they are useful, but they have changed the way that we do things quite a bit. And underlying in there, in my opinion, that there is a, an artificial intelligence that's doing whatever it's want that is having an effect on our psyche. And, and I feel like it's important that we as creatures watch how closely we rely on that little blue light box. Read a book. If you're sitting in front of a screen all day, every day, and that's how you see your life, your life is not what you see. Your life is what you're being shown. That's dangerous. Go outside. Look at your world for what's in front of you, not what someone tells you it is. That's what that means. Fascinating. And um, is it one of those things where you hope the listener will be able to not only get that, but also have their own interpretation of it. I mean, I would say absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, the most important thing. And I've said this a lot of times about music in general, like in my opinion, music is, you know, you're sitting in your bedroom with your guitar and you're going to write a thing and that's going to come out of like whatever's happening. Let's say that you're really depressed. Like, I don't know, you've like broken up with your girlfriend or whatever's having and you just like rip these songs out of you. Like that's a translation of emotion. You're taking something that's non-tangible, a feeling, and you're giving it a voice. You're translating from your feelings into something that can be heard. And then the person that hears that is then going to use their understanding or their perception to translate that into how they feel. And you want them to understand where you came from, but you also want it to feel however it needs to feel for them at the time. You know, if Mm. you wrote something that was because you were bummed out, you don't necessarily want to bum people out. If something's dark and heavy and it makes someone feel like inspired or invigorated and maybe to charge through something really bad that's going on with them, that's definitely what you want. So their perception is extremely important. I think I would say for sure. Brilliant. So you guys are quite active on social media, the band. Is that an aspect of being, uh, sorry, it is an aspect aspect of being in a modern band. Is it something that you enjoy though? Or do you just see it as a kind of necessary evil? Yeah, you know, uh, the entire struggle with, mm. <clears throat> you asked earlier kind of where our heads are with this thing now. And, you know, the, the real trick since there's so many bands and and so much music out there, you know, given that the technology has advanced to a point where, you know, somebody sitting in their basement can write an entire album that sounds great. Yeah. So, so the real trick is just getting people to click on it. Just give it a shot. Just take a listen. Just that first listen. If you don't like it, that's fine. Good. I don't care. But just getting people to actually click the thing and listen to it is is the biggest trick and that's where you know it feels like social media is certainly a good way to do that and sort of as you said a a necessary evil in that way because you know just trying to get your band noticed in the sea of noise that's out there is is no small feat 
Yeah, I, I would say that I have um, I have mixed feelings about social media. When I, I last night I posted a thing about um, favorite guitar lead of all time, and I mm. had 250 people, which is completely outlandish for me. I don't have that sort of traction. 250 people commented and talked about their favorite guitar spot. Not one person was shitty to anyone else. No one said anything to another person about like what you like sucks or this side or the other. And I was like, wow, like I had like a level of renewed faith, like in people in general, when I look at it, I, I am not super thrilled with how people treat each other, to mm. be honest. But I, I do feel like where music's concerned, I mean, this is the landscape now and it's been that way for quite a while. And this is the way that a lot of people find their music. Um, to not participate in it would be like refusing to sell your record in a record store because you don't like malls. It's yeah. it would be it would be counterproductive. So I couldn't say that. On the subject of social media, since I have the platform, I'm going to say two sentences real quick. People just need to be nice to each other. There was a time when if you talk shit to each other the way people do on the internet, you got punched in the mouth. People should think about that because it's not cool to be such shitheads to each other. Absolutely. At least on a positive, when we look at um, comments on your released music so far, it's predominantly very, very positive. Does that take some of the pressure off when it comes to fan expectations? Oh, God. Um, Clay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I certainly appreciate it. I mean, that's, you know, we, at least speaking for myself, I, I just play things that I would want to hear. I mean, that's, that's all it is. And, you know, in my experience over the years, you end up with a circle of friends where you have common interests and common likes. And, you know, a lot of times it's music that brought that group of friends together. So, you know, seeing that type of relationship sort of happen online is pretty cool too. You know, I'm, I'm happy people enjoy it. I think it's, it's, you know, gratifying in that sense. But it doesn't, you know, drive me or motivate me. Hey, people like this. We need to create, you know, this album part two. We're, we're always just going to write, you know, mm. whatever is coming to mind and, you know, try to service the, the song as best as possible and make it a complete expression of emotion, you know, on a song by song and album by album basis. And, you know, if people can appreciate that and, and see the work that's gone into it and enjoy it and it means something to them. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think you can't. I don't. I don't think that it's smart to sit around and try to write specifically for acceptance. I mean, if you look at the Ramones, for instance, mm. I mean, at the time, no one liked the Ramones, mm. and at this point, you know, they're considered, you know, to be hugely influential. Time will tell on everything. I mean, as far as the acceptance goes, I mean, I, obviously, I want to hear people's real opinions, whether they get their positive or negative. But I will say that the fact that anybody likes what we're doing is fantastic. Like it, it, anyone that says that it doesn't play a part in it is a liar. It makes you feel amazing mm. that you're, you're able to share something and people dig on it. I, I, I would never go into writing anything that way. I would just try to do what's natural to me. And, you know, and I mean, another example too, is I mean, you look at my war from black flag. I mean, it was, you know, punk rockers hated it worldwide. I mean, now, look back it's one of the most influential you know records of several genres so it's like 
you just do what you feel. You do what you feel, and if people like what you're doing, then that's that's a huge bonus because it really it empowers you to go and do another thing when you see like great. You know, I've got people that are of the same mindset as me. People are are feeling what we're laying down. That's and that the feeling is amazing. I cannot overstate how grateful I am to see anyone paying attention to what we're doing. Well said. So in the UK, we're kind of having a bit of a pushback on streaming services and uh, the revenue artists and bands gain from that. Um, is that something that you guys would want to be on board with if you could be? And how do we make it fairer for artists and bands? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very fair statement. I've seen a lot of the, a lot of artists come out uh, talking about Spotify. And when you mm. look at the guy that you know, created Spotify and the lifestyle he's living, um, it, it certainly appears from where I'm sitting and he's built that lifestyle on the back of, uh, other musicians and is, you know, other people's work that he's not really paying for, uh, yeah. in any sort of fair way. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it's something that, as we talked about earlier, kind of the evolution of technology is, is great in the fact that you can kind of get new music out to everybody instantaneously um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way to do it. Mm. Um, and, and this idea that you have to be able to, you know, exploit some of the digital streaming services to be a successful musician is, it's just sort of disheartening to me. I, I mean, me personally, I, I don't subscribe to any streaming services. I still go buy records. I've got probably 1200 albums a um, couple thousand cds i mean just you know that i've built up over the years mm. that if you know tomorrow some streaming service decides that a particular ideology or musical genre or you know whatever the flavor of the day is is no longer acceptable or in vogue and they just disappear all those albums then you know, they're gone forever from somebody that only subscribes to digital. Whereas yeah. you know, I can come down here and listen to whatever record I want that I still have because I directly supported those artists by buying a physical product. So I'm fully on board with, you know, going, uh, you know, more of an effort to go back to physical. Mm. That being said, I also rip everything I have so I can put it on my phone and listen <laughs> to it in the car. Cause it's very difficult to have a mobile turntable. So you know. absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, it, it I, I mean, in general, I mean, the record industry in general has always, in a way, been based on exploitation. And the, and the only time that we've really seen anyone step outside of that is, is going to be with the indie labels. So particularly, uh, you know, Danger House, Discord and SST are what come to mind where mm. a couple, you know, bands and artists, musicians grouped together and said, no, we're going to do it differently. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm all ears because I don't feel like the way things like Spotify in particular operate are fair. I know financially what it takes to make music, and it's not really what you would call profitable. Maybe probably not profitable for you know to support five people. That's not why I do it, so I'm yeah. not complaining necessarily. But the side note to that is, is that watching some billionaire you know, sit there and, you know, kick it on his yacht because he's collecting money off of, 
you know, the backs of a bunch of musicians. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't agree with that. I mean, I feel like whatever monetary gain he's getting for the service, I mean, it, obviously you should be paid for your service, or your technology, your maintenance and your staff, but just blatantly just taking the lion's share of everything from artists that are creating your content is absolute bullshit. Like, fuck you. Yeah. 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 It well, wouldn't exist you know, without that artists. doesn't really, uh, yeah, exactly. But that doesn't just give a free pass to, record labels that produce physical product either uh, i mean no, there's a reason that not. we there's a reason that we partnered with transcending records for this release um you know versus some other labels that we had been talking to where the model is still very much sort of ingrained in you know what it looked like in the 70s right so i, I think that the music industry in general from a business perspective is is long overdue for an overhaul yeah brilliant for sure after the album's released, November 6th, is it take a breath and just relax time, or are you powering on? <laughs> <laughs> We've already got four songs written for the next record. We've got uh, two other sort of tribute slash cover songs that we're talking about working on. I mean, we're getting together here in two weeks to start kind of writing and recording some stuff and just kind of go down, you know, beginning demos for the next album. So, you know, it's just like the last album. As soon as that album was out, we already had five songs, you know, ready to go for the next one. So, you know, that's that's what we do. Jared owns a recording studio, especially now when we're all just sort of, you know, at home. Um, we have plenty of time to work on music, so there's no excuse. We're, we just keep trucking and keep kind of writing what we want to hear and hopefully put out stuff that people enjoy. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Charge hard. I mean, if it if we can't go play shows, then it's going to be a live video concert. I mean, we're stopping is not on deck there there's no stopping jarrett clayton thank you so much for your time hey awesome. thank you too man it's really great talking to you thanks so much thank you very much for watching you can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on facebook instagram twitter and tumblr go to patreon to help us out over there that's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as big cartel where you can find some of our merchandise we have a podcast running on soundcloud and apple podcasts and of course if you like this video do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?